Hey besties, boy do I have a good story for you today. Today you get to meet Kelly Roth. Kelly is an inspiration. She is a pediatric chiropractor and a single mom of two young twins who moved and uprooted her life from Hawaii to Colorado. Starting over from scratch as a real estate investor, her story of overcoming odds stacked against her and a whole heap of limiting beliefs is a must listen. In an unbelievably short amount of time, she closed her first real estate deal, investing, and earned almost as much as she had in the entire last year. And she is just getting started. Hey, Kelly, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me, Remy. So I'm really excited to have Kelly here. We are both a part of a real estate mastermind um, that I've been in for years where we learn about investing. And we are the minority in that group as women. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just very honored and happy to have you here, Kelly, that you decided to join me so we can prove we do exist. <laughs> <laughs> We're unicorns, though. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so one of the reasons I asked you to be here is because you have a really cool story because most of the women listening to the show are not existing real estate investors. This isn't a show for people who are experts. This is a show for people who want to learn and want to grow and start something new and decide why they want to do it. And so I just would love to hear your story. So I know that what a couple of years ago or less, you had absolutely no intention of being a real estate investor. Zero. I knew nothing about real estate investing. And actually I spent the majority of my schooling going to school to be a chiropractor. And I had a very successful practice. I was a pediatric chiropractor. And that changed for me very quickly when COVID hit. Like everybody, it kind of turned everything upside down. And I had recently had had twins. So I went from being able to work in my office 12, 14 hours a day to all of a sudden, I, and I was a single mom. I was a single mom with twins. So I didn't have that time. And then when COVID hit, I lost my childcare. They were a year old. And I went from running my practice out of my basement or out of my garage. I converted my garage into my practice and I was taking care of them at the same time of doing my practice. And I realized just how challenging it was to be a service provider when you're trading time for money. Because even though I was busy, even though I was seeing seeing as many people as I physically could while taking care of my kids at the same time. I wasn't able to make the amount that I could even make to get off government assistance. And I was burned out. I was exhausted. My mental health started to slip. I was just barely hanging on. And I knew that there had to be a better way. Absolutely. And so what was the first thing that made you think that that better way could be investing in real estate? Well, so that's really interesting because first of all, I'm going to back up and I'm going to say, I love that you say that this channel is for people that aren't experts because I am not even close to being an an expert. And when I saw that I might be able to do it, it's because my personal trainer that I committed to working out with every single day, CJ Thomas, when I saw him do his first real estate investing deal, that's when it really kind of hit me like, oh, I've been working out with CJ for the last year. CJ has never said anything about real estate investing. And all of a sudden, I think he made $38,000 on his first year. And I thought to myself, I said, if CJ, my personal trainer can do it, then 
I can do it. So that's actually what made me take the first step into reality of even just being able to think that it was possible for me. Absolutely. That's what's so cool about it is me, I come from a real estate background, but that's why I love your story because you just said, I'm going to do this. And then you went out there and and gave it a shot and followed a mentor and, and did something with it. So tell me a little bit about why, why was it important like for your family? that you make this transition beyond just the financial, because that's of course, but it's both, right? I mean, man, Remy, you would have seen me six months ago. You wouldn't even recognize me. I was broken down. I was, the way that I explained it, I was helpless, hopeless, and worthless. And I was not okay. And my kids were not okay. And I said, I knew that I had to make a change. And It was really important that I found a mentor. I actually think that that should be top priority for everybody, which is why I think it's so awesome that you're doing what you're doing because you're mentoring women, right? And it's really powerful that you're a woman and you can mentor other women because there's something that is different when you're mentored from a woman versus when you're mentored from a man. And I think that's a really important element. But I did seek out the mentor that CJ had been working with. And um, just for my listeners, I also learned from. So, mm -hmm. you know, fantastic mentorship in that program. Mm -hmm. And I just, I started tackling, I started tackling kind of tasks that he was having me do to prepare for this step. But I also want to throw something out. So I started my mentorship in October and we were living in Hawaii at the time. We were living in Kauai and that's where I was running my practice And in December, we got served an eviction notice. And that was like the icing on the cake, right? I could not keep going the way that I was going. And if I lost my house, housing was very limited there, like everywhere. And I was going to be losing my practice. And I just said, enough is enough. So I decided to move back home to Grand Junction, Colorado. That's where the majority of my family is. So So you have a little bit more support. Yeah, more family support just so because I needed help because I couldn't keep going the way that I was going. But the reason why that's significant is because I had to essentially spend all of my money getting to Grand Junction. So I showed up in Grand Junction. I only had a couple thousand dollars to my name. I didn't know anybody, right? I had no contacts. I had no relationships and I had no real estate investing experience. So you had already decided you were going to do real estate investing before you moved. So you moved to a brand new market and a brand new career with zero experience. And no money, girl. I had no money. And two young jobs. I had a couple credit cards and I was like, I'm going to make it work. I'm going to put it on my credit cards. I'm going to figure it out. Yeah, Yeah. But, and I had decided that I was going to be switching to real estate investing and I just burned all the boats. I said, you know, what's crazy work. What's crazy, I just talked to a woman yesterday, and if you had come to me and said, this is my situation, I want to become a real estate investor, I would have said, mm-hmm, maybe you should get a job, and <laughs> don't yeah. do it, don't yeah. burn the boats, don't put yeah. yourself at this much risk, and yet you did and you were successful, and we'll talk about that, maybe it took a little blood, but you got there, and I talked to a woman yesterday, and it was very, very similar, and she's kind of like, I have nothing to lose. Now, she doesn't have kids, but she was saying, I don't have any money. I, do, I can't work right now. I've got a disability. 
I'm, you know, living on my parents' property. I need this. And I am like, this is not something investing. You, you usually put money in to get money out. And it's not really something that you think that is something that's possible starting mm-hmm. from zero. So I'm not telling everyone in the world that is in that situation that they should take that kind of risk. But I do think there's an element there of the will to survive and mm-hmm. the power of that yep. pushing you. Those little kids counting on you. I mean, you could have gone and joined some chiropractic practice, I'm sure. Look, and just 40 and then gone back to 40 hours, 60 hour work weeks, the grind and everybody would have been fed and content, but they would barely get to see you. Right. I mean, that was the alternative. Well, and, but you know what? I just, I had said enough was enough. So that wasn't even an alternative, but I did struggle because the type of chiropractic that I do is very desirable. And a couple of chiropractors had reached out to me because they did want me on their team. And I connected with Ron Ned on my real estate investing team, who used to be a chiropractor. And I told him, I said, I don't want to go back to chiropractic. And let me just tell you that my mentors also told me to not do this. <laughs> but, but like you said, it was an element of survival. I heard what they were saying, but I knew in my heart that if I didn't do this, I would just drown. So I had to swim. That was the only option. And yeah, swimming, I mean, maybe I'm in the middle of the ocean and you think that that's crazy, right? But maybe just that swimming was the thing that brought me to the island. But otherwise I was going to drown. Yeah. And I wasn't going to make it. And that wasn't an option, me going back to being overworked and underpaid and trading time for money. That was no longer an option for me. And I had to make a big radical decision. And that was the first step. Yeah. And then just put everything into it. How hard it was it to grasp changing from, like as a service provider, we think time for money. How hard was it to make that transition mentally that you're going to stop doing that and not work that way? Well, honestly, the hardest part was when I got my first deal because I got a really big check. The check that I got, well, it felt really big to me, right? These are just, again, limiting beliefs that I'm overcoming one at a time. The check that I got was almost, it was $6,000 less than what I had made the whole entire year before that. And I went through a lot of mental hurdles just on the money mindset. Mm -hmm. So that's really when it hit me. And that's really when a lot of sort of my, again, like my limiting beliefs, my money mindset, my toxicity with the relationship with money really started being pulled out of me. And I just reached out for support from my other team members. And I dove super deep into books and just trying Mm -hmm. to figure out where this was coming from. But I didn't stop. I kept moving forward. Yeah. I was investigating the, it, but I kept moving forward. What were some of the ahas you got during that period of doing the deep dive into money mindset? Well, my relationship with money is pure shit. <laughs> <laughs> money is bad? Was that one of the, or like, no, you so, don't deserve you know, it? I, or? I think that I had shared with you a little bit. I had been a student for so long that I, I would live off of student loans. I was working as bartending also, and I used that money to travel and do fun things. But then I was on welfare for a really long time, you know, and then I even got unemployment for a really long time. So every time a check came through for me, I felt like I didn't deserve it. I Mm. didn't feel like I was worthy and living on welfare was really, really hard for me because just welfare Yes, it's helpful, but you spend so much time trying to 
make under a certain amount. Sure. Because if you go over that amount, then you can't survive. So just the years of negative experiences with money compressing on top of each other. Yeah, that's a really... When I got that check, it didn't feel good to me. It felt horrible, which is Receiving assistance. And it doesn't really matter if it's coming from a family member or the courts or the government. But when you are in a position where you're receiving assistance and you're dependent on that assistance... It does carry a lot of shame, mm-hmm. I think, yep. with it. I grew up with some assistance because I was a ward of the courts, just almost like a foster kid, but not quite. And it was always like there is a little stigma to that. I mean, in my case, it's, it's parental, so it's a little bit different. I had a girlfriend who, much like you, found herself with a young two-year-old daughter, single mom, no job, relocated, moved back home from Mexico, and... She was on government assistance. And I just remember she was living with me for a while. She wanted to move back to California. She was living on my couch. And I remember her telling me how much she hated. And back in those days, nothing was online. You had to go to the office and deal with all this stuff. And she was just like, I just hate going and standing in line and receiving. And I just hate myself for needing it. Mm-hmm. And I remember yeah. her expressing that to me. And yeah. it's, it's exactly. And what's crazy is there's a lot of people out there that abuse the system. And don't need it and lie and do all these things. But it's literally built for that situation, you mm-hmm. know, for that single mom who suddenly finds themselves with no way to take care of their kids. That's what it's for. It's for getting yourself back on your feet, right? It, there's just a lot of shame and a lot of stigma. So I never thought about that. But it, it's true. It would create an enormous money block about what you deserve and what you're allowed to have. Well, even that, but the check that I just received, I no longer qualify. <clears throat> that one took you out of the program so for it. I'm out. This was my first month of not receiving government assistance. And that's a scary step too, because now it's it's all on me. And it's a step that I wanted to take, but just stepping into that, yeah, there's a lot of feelings and a lot of uncertainty and a lot of emotions that have come with that. And I'm just really grateful that I do have a support system and you were one of them that I'm able to share with and I'm able to feel vulnerable. And then I just have so much support and love being poured into me that it makes me feel safe and then confident moving forward. Yes. So tell us about the deal. How did you get your first deal? Oh man, the deal. So one of the things that was talked about was leads, you know, how you find off-market deals. And that's kind of, I think when you're starting to look into going into real estate questions, like real estate investing, that's the first question. Where do I even find off-market properties, off-market deals? And there's lead generations. And so that's like just hitting that button that says on or go, it's, it's a trip. So I decided to turn on my leads again. At this point, I think I had $700 in my business account and I had about $4,000 of available credit. And I just decided to turn on my leads and open my spending wide up. I also didn't have childcare yet. I still hadn't been able to find a preschool. I started getting leads in and a week later, actually an amazing preschool opportunity opened up. I dropped my kids off on a preschool on Monday morning. And then Tuesday afternoon, the second day they had been in preschool, a lead came through and we have a system that we follow. And uh, I just started doing the steps of the system. And I just started investigating this seller. So what happened was 
it was a brother and he had recently gone to his brother's house and he found out that his brother was really mentally ill. He was struggling with alcohol addiction. He was struggling with hoarding and he was also on disability. And then as a family had decided that the brother needed to be in an assistance home. So I started not knowing anything about what I was doing. Remy, I didn't even know what ARV meant. <laughs> After repair value for the I listeners. Didn't. Yeah. yeah, I didn't. So I basically, you know, and that's where that's where the part of having a mentor who knows what they're talking about, you know, somebody like you and having an investing team, like what you're building with investee besties is so important because what I did is I took this deal to my mentor, to the team, and they literally walked me through step by step by step. This is what you do. This is what you say. From the time that I got the lead in, I had a signed contract within 48 hours. During that 48 hours, I did my second onsite where I actually went to the property to look at it. And then I was invited to my first investor, local investor meeting. And at that local investor meeting, that's where I found my cash investor who ultimately was the one to purchase for me to purchase that property. So I just want to pause and give a little explanation to the listeners who don't understand what she's talking about is wholesaling. And in wholesaling, you look for off-market property, usually a distressed seller who has a reason for needing a quick cash offer. You uh, put that property under an assignment contract, and then you go look for an investor who then would want to buy that property and flip it, and you collect a middle fee for that service. You collect money for being that middle person that found the asset and is matching it up with the end cash buyer. So you're saying that the way that you found your cash buyer was through a local investment meetup group? Yes. Mm -hmm. And had you joined the group before you found the deal or you found the deal and then went and found the group? Well, it all happened almost very, very serendipitously. Everything just lined up. The lead came in on a Tuesday night. I was invited to the investors meeting on Thursday afternoon. I went Thursday night. Friday morning, I met with my cash buyer because he wanted to have coffee and and just see who I was. And then probably an hour after I left the coffee meeting, my contract had been signed. So it happened super fast. How did you get invited to the investor meeting? What was that process? So because I didn't have any relationships or know anybody, I posted an ad on Facebook Mm -hmm. I went to all the real estate pages. I went to all the investing pages. I went to any page that had over 5,000 people. Mm -hmm. And I posted an ad basically trying to call to the pain points of investors in my market. And then what happened was people started reaching out to me. So your ad was before you had the property. Your ad was saying, I'm going to find properties. Or, you know, it, it was before I had it under contract. So I think it was on Wednesday. I think the lead came in on Tuesday night. I posted the ad on Facebook on Wednesday. I had people reaching out to me on Thursday. I had coffee on Friday and then I had a signed contract on Friday morning. This is <laughs> like, me clapping for Kelly. It was like this boom, boom, boom. I mean, I was so scared the whole entire time. And like people even started, you know, it's like kind of a running joke is because every single time I would jump on a call, I'd be like, I don't know what I'm doing. I feel like I'm going to throw up. 
that's how uncomfortable the growth process was for me. I just felt like I was going to throw up every single second of the day. And I was so scared out of my mind. And the only thing that I did, just whatever you told me to do, I did. (laughs) How many days was it from the day you got the lead to the check in your hand? Well, so we tied it up under contract on Friday. I couldn't have my inspector out there by Monday. And the title work started on Monday. So it was 10 business days after we started the title work. And there were so many things in between. And that's the thing that I didn't really understand is just how you really have to be able to be comfortable with solving problems. And I really think that that is why we demand the fees that we do is because I just felt like every single minute of the day, there was something jeopardizing this deal. And I just had to be really quick on my feet. I had to be a problem solver. I had a whole entire team behind me. I mean, the day of closing, I was on the phone with the title company at 8.30 in the morning trying to navigate things. And then I got check in my hand for (laughs) $29,000. And how much money did you put into escrow as a deposit? Oh, so that's funny. I put 500. I was told to put a thousand and I was like, well, that's funny. Cause I only have $700 and I took a picture of my bank account statement. I literally had $200 in the bank, but when my $29,000 check came in, I was down to 200 bucks. Wow. So from start to finish, it was like 16 or 17 days from the day your first lead came in or this lead came in. I don't know if that was your first lead. It was my second lead. It was your second. (laughs) (laughs) I messed up so bad. The guy was so mad at me. I almost feel like because I got all of my mistakes out of the way with that one, I was really able to just step into myself with this one. Because I made my first lead. I was super. Yeah, I mean, if you don't count my real estate career as an agent and all the investment deals I've done as an agent, my first time trying wholesaling as an investor the same way you did. I did direct mail and the first phone call I got from the letters was three months after I'd mailed the letters out. The guy had held onto the letters. I'd had other calls, but the first like good lead came in and that deal netted me $67,000, my first deal. And it was off of a letter that he'd held on to for like three months. So when you say you never know, I mean, you just don't know. Mm -mm. And, And does it feel real still? that you made $29,000 in 16 days? Well, so candidly, the majority of my 29,000, I put aside for taxes and it paid off all of, paid off all of my debt. Does it, so it I, doesn't matter what you did with it. That wasn't the question. <laughs> Money mindset. Does it feel real that you earned $29,000 in 16 days? Uh, still no. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I know the feeling. I know the feeling. Still no. It just, because I was a service I mean, provider and at least when I earned a commission, I'd put hours and hours and hours into getting that listing and selling that listing. And it's different with wholesale. But what you're doing is still magical because what you also did is put how much more money into that family's hands to take care of their brother. Yep. Right? However much they got, they needed immediately. And you just can't do that trying to put a property on the market and do home inspections and clean up all the hoarding mess and do all of these things, you know? And so people don't realize that there is so many people out there that do 
need the cash quick and it's tied up in a property. You can't go refinance that property. You can't go out and get a loan on that property if there's no income to qualify for it. And you're really in a hard position. They were in a position where he came over and he saw how his brother was living and said, this has got to stop. Well, well, it was unsafe. It was unsafe. It was very unsanitary. He needed out. And I'll tell you something even more interesting is I was the lowest offer. Mm. There were offers that were almost $20,000 higher than mine. And this is why I think it's so powerful to be a woman in the investing space. The other investors were men. The other investors were looking at money. They were looking at numbers. But what I was looking at was your brother is in an unsafe situation. And I promised him, I said, nobody will move faster than me. And I told him, I said, I did my due diligence on the numbers. I'm very confident in the numbers. And this deal will not fall through in the last minute because that happens, right? If you don't do due diligence and you don't understand how to do your numbers, which I didn't, but my team did. But you learned. These things can fall through. And that was more me just caring about his brother's safety and well-being and giving him the reassurance that the deal was going to go through at the price that I said it was going to go through. That was worth $20,000 to him. And if you think about that, $20,000 is a lot. But I believe that it was me and just being a woman, not trying to be a man, listening to my intuition, really stepping into my feminism and being able to express those things that I really cared about him and I wanted to help him. And I think he felt that. Absolutely. And and that's why I feel like it is so powerful to be a woman in the investing space. And I don't think that that's talked about enough, but I mean, I'm going to tell you, I see some of these guys just struggling deal after deal after deal. And I just got another one under contract. Well, hopefully under contract any minute I'm waiting for the email. And it's because I was able to connect with the sellers and hear what they needed and listen to them and move with empathy and compassion. And I just think that that is something that women bring to the table. That's not talked about. It's the feminine superpower. And and I, there's a module in my course called emotion, intuition, and investing. It's about that. And it's not just, it's empathy. And it's also people needing to be seen because Mm -hmm. there's a reason we call them distressed sellers. There's usually something distressful happening to the people involved in the transaction. They're in a distressful place in their life and they want to know that they're being heard and that someone understands what their needs are. And that can be a lot of different things that they feel. And I've won, as a real estate agent, I've won listings the same way. You know, yeah. I didn't come in offering to do as much work to the house or pay for as many things. I might not have even been the cheapest commission, but if I come in and make sure that they feel heard, I've, I've won so many listings when people who have inherited property, when I talk about, we're going to honor this property by doing it right and mm-hmm. things like that. So I definitely, definitely see that correlation. And I just am super proud of you because I hadn't heard all the details of that story until today. And I'm very, very proud of you because it's not a small thing. It's a huge thing. This is an, a superhero's origin story in the making as we speak, <laughs> right? From government yeah. assistance in Hawaii to moving back home to Colorado with $700 and or $2,000 and 
getting down to $700 and taking a chance on yourself and winning. And not only that, I just released a podcast episode, last week's episode, about the shadow side of real estate. And Mm. I I talk about how there are a lot of people out there, especially women, who don't want to get involved in real estate because they see it as a negative industry and they see that maybe they are going to be the villain in the Mm. transaction if they're the investor, right? Because they see things like somebody mentioned to me recently, people using people who are behind on their property taxes to force seniors out of their homes or to force low-income people out of tenant rented property so that they could take over and charge higher rents or all mm. these different things or investors who come in and offer way, way below uh, what the property is worth and try and force people into taking low offers. All of those things happen. And then women, people decide I'm not going to be involved in this industry because this is a scary place. This is a place full of criminals. And when that happens, guess who rises up and does all the deals? The bad guys, right? And I don't mean men. Most men are fantastic. I'm talking about the greedy crooks in the real estate industry who are not out for helping anyone. So what you did was create a true win-win-win situation. And whoever I'm sure that you sold that property to is going to win too because they're going to make a profit. So he was a general contractor. He was also a pastor. And he has now been able to put $25,000 into his church. Wow. So look at that. And then what's that going to do? And how many people does that touch? mm -hmm. Right. And speaking to that, I actually, when was it? It was on Friday. I went down a really sort of dark spiral because the Thursday before I was labeled one of those villains and a real estate attorney said to me on the phone, I protect people from people like you. First of all, he was completely making assumptions. And it really broke me down. And again, I brought it to my team, which is why, again, a team is so important because I really didn't understand how, first of all, I didn't understand a lot about the negative reputations that are out there. Mm -hmm. And I didn't understand how to be able to move past it because I'm not a villain. I'm a very good person. That's right. And I am doing a good thing in this deal that's happening right now. But at the same time, It's not my job to save people at the risk of my own family. And that's why we do make sure it's a win-win for everybody. It's a win for them and it's a win for me. And I never force anybody to do anything. I'm very open and transparent with my numbers and the way that I'm moving forward. But I really had to look that ugliness in the face and make sure that I knew who I am and I was convicted and that I am a good person and I am helping people and they can say whatever they want about me, but I know my heart and God knows my heart. And that's all that matters. And haters go, Hey, (laughs) (laughs) they said, if you're not getting people looking at you, starting to like make waves, then you're not doing it right. Which also feels very uncomfortable to me, but still moving forward, (laughs) still moving forward. So um, before we go, Is there anything that you'd like the women who listen to this show to know or to hear? Yeah, I mean, I put so much emphasis and value in my own heart and my own intuition. And if you are listening and you think that investing might be something that you want to move into, but you don't know how to do it or don't know if you can do it, my story is really powerful because I couldn't have been at any more of a disadvantage. I mean, I didn't have childcare. I had twin toddlers. I'm a single mom, no money, no experience, no contacts. 
nothing. I had nothing going for me. The only thing that I had going for me was I decided to take a chance and I picked the right team behind me. And if you are a woman, I think it is really, really powerful to be supported by other women that will allow you to step into your feminine space and learn how to, how to rule the investing space as your authentic self, as a woman. So I would say that if you feel in your heart, but you don't know where to start, I think connecting with you, Remy, is number one, the first place to start. Reach out to Remy see what she recommends. She has such amazing experience and she has years and years and years of experience behind her. But then she's also created this really amazing community and team that is just imperative for success. Because if you don't have a team behind you, you're going to get hung up and you're going to talk yourself out of it. So I would say First of all, believe in yourself, number one. Second of all, reach out to Remy. And then third, make sure you just surround yourself with an amazing team. And I mean, I truly believe that potentials are limitless. Thank you so much, Kelly, for that huge vote of confidence. And uh, as always, I'm always here for you too, anything that you need. And we'll just go kick ass and take (laughs) names. Actually, I just I made another offer on a property this morning and I'm waiting for that contract. And then I have to jump off the phone and make another offer on another property. And then I got to go pick up my kids. So So go back (laughs) to kicking ass. Don't let me hold you up. By the time the show airs, you probably have done another couple deals. Let's hope so. (laughs) All right, Kay, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to me today. See you soon. Thanks, Remy. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you, thank you, thank you, dear listeners, for being with me today. If you love the show, please show support for our growth by rating, reviewing, and subscribing on whatever platform you're listening on. You can find me on social media on most platforms by searching my name, Remy Fortier, that's F-O-R-T-I-E-R, or you can join our free Facebook group, The Life We Deserve, Inspired and Wildly Successful, where I drop free trainings and keep you posted on whatever we're working on. As always, thank you for joining in our mission to normalize women building wealth.